We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You knew it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! How good you guys! And welcome to another episode of the Golden Bears podcast, the Bearcast. Uh, we are back with another week of... I don't know, interesting Cal news? Sad Cal news? Well, how would you put it, Andy? Yeah, sad news, good news. We have news, though. That's the biggest difference between this week and last week. You know, but our streak has continued, is we have a commit basically every week. It's It's been working. Yeah, if it isn't that way, every single week here on out, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> um, let's start with just some, some random talk. Uh, you sent me an article earlier this week about Steven Anderson with the Texans. Yeah. I, wow. Just wow. I mean, apparently the kid's been balling out. And then the quote was something about uh, he, the coach, Bill O'Brien, put a little, he put a little asterisk. He's like, yo, we're not in pads yet, but the kid's been playing amazing. That's great to see. Anyone surprised? Not really. No. He's the best. No. I mean, he is... He was like, I mean, the storyline for his his career. That's just, it's a great storyline. I don't. He's Steph Curry of the NFL. Remember last time I wasn't ready? Yes. I'm ready now. He's <laughs> <laughs> the Steph Curry of the NFL. <laughs> this is very true. I mean, yeah, I can't think of any other guy on our team that would, like, let's say 10 years from now, his career's over. Like, to make an ESPN 30 for 30. You know, documentary about him. Like, Steven Anderson's story would be just perfect. Yeah. He already had a fascinating story just in his arrival at Cal and the yeah. scholarship and all that with his family. And man, that's really exciting. It was yeah. a great article. And I got to give that's Chris Vargas sent that to me. So, um, yeah, he, good luck, Chris. And it was awesome. So, couldn't be more proud of that guy. Yeah. Another article just related to Cal guys is, um, there's an article today from the Massachusetts Times or the Ma- uh, I can't remember the internet website, um, but it was talking about Jalen Brown's workout with the Celtics. This I think it was today actually this morning, um, and it was talking about how Danny Ainge said he had a very very good workout. Um, take that as you want, read into it however much as you want. Because no, Danny I Ainge, think that's a good spot. Yeah, 
I think you said, I mean, when you brought that up initially and you talked about uh, Jeff Green body type and player type, and then I was doing some research for the continuing like Jalen Watch articles I've been doing, and everything I've been reading has been saying that they like that type of player, and it could be a really good fit. So props to you, Rob. You kind of <laughs> called that from the beginning, from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, uh, how would you not want to play for a coach like Brad Stevens if he had the opportunity to? Um, the guy just motivates you through and through, and is you're on an up-and-coming team. You would potentially be the primary option on that on that team. I don't know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I mean Isaiah Thomas is great as he is. You don't want him to be the main scorer of points for your team. He's a great guy. He's a great, great guy in terms of basketball play. But do you want him sh- shooting like twenty five shots a game? Like, and that's the only way you're getting points. I don't know. I don't know. I think you want a bigger bigger guy to handle that and let him be the point guard that you want him to be instead of just scoring left and right. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if Jalen is the someone that I'd look at as being the best like pure scorer yeah. at that. Like you could probably make a case that Buddy Heald is a better yeah. option there. But um, from the dis- defensive side of the ball and athletically, I think he brings a different dynamic to the table. And all you're trying to do is create space for other shooters create opportunities so and by the way do we get to talk about my we get to, get to talk about the dubs tonight oh uh, yes that yes we can talk about from a little bit i mean game seven oh boy i mean let's start at six yeah we can start at six six maybe the best basketball game i've ever seen in my life i don't know if i've ever seen a game where i've been more emotionally invested and maybe pissed off my neighbors more with yelling both my fiance and i this is Yelling. true. This is true. I mean, I'm not a Warriors fan. Um, I love watching that team. Um, but that game, I was, I mean, I was jumping up and down when Clay was knocking down those threes in the third quarter. I mean, that, I don't care what people say. Clay Thompson was the MVP of that series. If he didn't shoot the way he did in game six, he doesn't keep that team afloat in terms of just scoring. 100%. And then. He kept that team afloat up until the fourth quarter when Steph started to light up. But if there was none of that, this could this, the game could have been like a 25-point loss easily. Yeah. And it's um, funny because he did a little bit of that in game five yeah. when he took over the third. But then the team didn't rally, and this time they did. And it was so, so awesome. <laughs> just an amazing, amazing basketball game. I just think from the appreciation of sports at its highest level – it's hard to beat anything like that. And then also on top of it, you have that game seven, which was also incredibly competitive and so much fun. Yeah, I don't... The game was just... I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it just seemed like the Thunder didn't want it. That's what it seemed like, right? I mean, there were some plays like when... As soon as Russell Westbrook dribbled the ball off his foot, like I was just, oh, yeah, that's... There it is. Like, that's pretty much the game. Like, I don't see it happening any other way. And once again, of course, Clay throughout the entire game knocks down just... I don't know what happened, but it was just... He just rose up for three, and it would knock it down. And all of us like, no, he can't make that one. And then that one goes down. I mean, his shots are his shots are weird, because 
we know he's a great three point shooter, and every time uh, Steph shoots a three, like a deep three or wherever, we all kind of we're like 60 percent expecting it to go in, yeah, and then forty percent expecting it not to go in. Whereas Clay, it's kind of I think it's he could be that great of a shooter in terms of just pure shooting, but we don't expect him to make it more than we. We don't expect him to make it more than we expect him to make it. So the, expect, the expectation for Steph is much higher. Exactly, exactly, and so. But Clay's <coughs> shooting ability might be to the same or even um, higher degree from as like a. I don't know how I would say this. I mean, so he won the three point contest. Yeah. He does that thing where he can shoot blindfold. Yeah. So, it's tough to say. I mean, his release isn't as quick, but it's pretty fucked. Ooh, it's pretty, pretty damn fast. <laughs> yeah. Caught yourself there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I were to pick um, a shooting style I wanted, and I, if I could just copy it and just implant that into my DNA and that's how I shoot, I don't know. I've had this conversation with a bunch of friends, but I, I like Clay's shooting style better. I, I like the, the form of how it's over his head constantly. You can take any tape of him shooting regardless. And Steph just has great muscle memory to just wherever he is on the court to kind of launch it and really quickly. And he uses, you know, the, the flick of the wrist basically to, and the shoulder, but clay is the, just the quintessential shooting form, right? Jump up with the legs squared up to the, the basket and the hands over the head and the drawstring where you pull your hand towards the basket and release like he eats, it's the picture-perfect definition of what a jump shot should look like. And he doesn't change that. That's the crazy part. He, it doesn't change where he is on the court and, and what position he is, whether he's coming off a screen, whether it's off the bounce, whether it's it's a drive pull-up for mid-range. Like, it's always the same. And I'd, I would want that. <laughs> I don't know how you get that, but it's something I want. Genetics, practice. <sighs> What do you think about the series? Finals. Prediction. This is a tough one. And it's because I know a lot of Warrior fans are just saying the Warriors are just too good right now. People forget the Cavs. As e- as bad as the East is, they swept two series in the playoffs, back-to-back. They went 4-0, they went 4-0, and then they won in six games. So in terms of just fatigue and freshness and rest you can't beat the Cavs right now um they're just they've had more time to rest and they've just been they've just been dominating in their play like they're confident in terms of what they do and how they how they beat teams is just sky high the Warriors on the other hand going into the playoffs they might have been the most confidently sky high team in the country like just in in the league without a doubt but the fact that they got stretched to seven-game series here, they got stretched to a six-game series with the Trailblazers, I think a little bit of that confidence is dipped. It's just maybe... they. I think they fully believe in their game plan and how they play. But just certain shots that they've usually made all season weren't dropping in the semifinals and in the conference finals. Certain plays that they were making. Uh, Draymond was... I mean, I don't know what happened, but... Some of the decisions he was making when he had the ball in his hands wasn't the usual Draymond decisions that we saw him making. 
Um, maybe maybe they all reclaimed a little bit of that in Game Six and Game Seven because they were they're lighting it up again. But it's, the inconsistency was slightly there, and I don't know what that dip was a was a form of. I mean, you were down three one to the Thunder, who you destroyed all regular season. So I don't know what it is that came in right there. So I don't know. I I think this will go to a Game Six, um, and I'm still thinking the Warriors are going to win it. Easily, uh, but I mean, this one's tough. I mean, I saw a tweet the other day where it said, "If you think about it, if the Warriors win today, or if the Warriors win the finals this year, Steph Curry will be equal to LeBron in terms of championship rings, just like that, and LeBron will be two, two out of seven in championship finals. Not so, one, not one, not two. two. <laughs> so." I mean, this is a LeBron can't lose this one. I think in terms of his legacy, he cannot lose this one, and that's where the fun comes in as a third party who isn't really just wants to watch good basketball. Like you, the Warriors are trying to reclaim their spot and say last year was not luck. Last year we were the best team, and this year in the regular season we were the best team, and we'll show it again this year. Whereas the Cavs are kind of. LeBron doesn't want to lose another final series, but LeBron is also saying, hey, everyone's back. Like, we're healthy. Delavadova is not going to be playing 35 minutes. Like, Kyrie is our starter, and Kevin Love is back. Like, last year, the only reason we lost was because they weren't here. Like, and that's going to be a fun little battle to watch to who's going to will it more. I mean, they have their reasons, both teams, to win it. So that's why it's more of a, for me, it's just, I just want to see, like, triple overtime games, like, three games in a row. <laughs> like, that Bulls-Celtic series a couple of years back with Rondo and Rose. Like, that was just... It was just fun basketball. But I still I think... I remember that. Yeah. But I still think the Warriors are going to win this. I think it's... Yeah. <laughs> they're just... They're too good. Yeah, I'm feeling really confident. Yeah. I won't say it on record, but I've saying I've been saying it off record. <laughs> feeling really good. Yeah. I think... Um, I think... The Dubs will love playing Cleveland versus OKC. Yep. I have no idea what Tyron Lue brings to the table as a coach. Nope. And I think we can game plan better against the Cavs than we can. We, we were against OKC. And we can actually implement more. Or impose, people talked about imposing will, you know, on the TNT and all that, all the yeah. analysts. Um, and we weren't really able to, except with the three-point shot, and that was what kind of a demoralized, I think, the Thunder a little bit. Yeah. We won't have to rely on that as much against the Cavs because we're deeper than the Cavs, and they don't play as good defense. They're, they're not as big, and that was the thing that was driving us crazy was their length. So, yeah, man, I feel really good about it. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors kryptonite has always been athletic bigs. With the Steven Adams, the Ennis Cantors, the Serge Ibaka's, the guys who can make the three and can pretty much beat you inside just in terms of athleticism and strength. But the Cavs don't have that. Like Mozgov did a lot of damage last year, but he's not a sh- he's not a he's not an athletic big. The only athletic big on that team is Tristan Thompson, and he's in terms of what he brings to the table. I don't think offensively, at least, he's not on par with Steven Adams and what he did. Not even close. 
Um, and Kevin Love is purely just a three-point shooting and rebounding big man who's pretty good at what he does. I mean, he's outstanding at what those two things. Um, but, I mean, the matchups are going to be fun to watch because um, on defense, Steph has never te- picked up their best player in terms of the backcourt, which would mean that Clay would pick up Kyrie and Steph would kind of just trail along J.R. Smith. And the Broncos enjoy Iggy on him again. Exactly. Can't wait to watch that. And then in terms of defending Kevin Love, Draymond, I mean, it it works out because Draymond's not as fast or tall as the other, you know, six foot ten athletic bigs that he sees all the time. But versus Kevin Love who's six nine, shoots threes and just rebounds defensively he can keep up with them and mm-hmm. he can pretty much lock him down. So the matchups will be fun to watch. And that's I think in in terms of those matchups, unless LeBron's dropping forty twelve and eight every night, um, I just don't see them winning it. Um, but the devil's advocate is LeBron single-handedly willed that Cavs team to win two games last year. Like he literally did that game two here where, Oh, where LeBron basically went off. Like that was, I think the best playoff, like single player moment I've ever seen since Michael like that to carry your team like that with the starting five that you had around you, Delavdova, uh, Jr. LeBron and uh, Tristan Thompson and Mozgov, like that was your lineup. Like no one expects you to win at all. Like that's not a championship caliber team, but he single-handedly wins and then evens out the series in game two. Like, like LeBron was still, LeBron's still LeBron. I don't think you can, yeah. The only way you take that away from him is, is if he loses the series. I mean, his legacy is going to oh, be in question so much, and you're going to see it all over ESPN and Fox and SB Good, Nation. They're the ones that made it anyway. <laughs> they're the ones that gave him the platform. Uh, all right. That was good. That I was, really enjoyed that. That was a good talk. All right. Let's move on to some Cal talk. Uh, Cal released their season games kickoff times uh, this week. Not all the games, uh, about six games, so about half the season. So let me just read this through to you. So Saturday, August 27th, um, in Australia, we play Hawaii. Who's going? I don't know who is going. I, I, uh, a buddy of mine and his girlfriend were going to go until they looked at ticket prices and saw it, might be, it would be cheaper to take a vacation to Japan. <laughs> so that's what they're doing instead. Um, yeah, I've been looking at that too. Japan's nice. It's not that hard to get there. It's not. It's All not. Right. Um but yeah, so this so the game on Saturday at noon in Australia. So that in turn, in Pacific time, is Friday seven p.m. So we start the game off with a Friday seven game. All right, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, and then the following week we play at San Diego on CBS at seven thirty. So that's September tenth on a Saturday. The following week uh, is Saturday, September seventeenth. Uh, we play Texas at 7.30, and that'll be on ESPN or ESPN2. Uh, this is where it sucks. Uh, Friday, October 21st, we play home. We play at home against Oregon, um, 7.30 game. So Friday, 7.30 game again. The following week of the Oregon game, we play at USC on a Thursday, October 27th, at 7.30 p.m. So first question, 
is CBS Sports Network mean that it's just going to play on CBS, or does it mean it's going to be on like an online CBS Sports Network type deal? They have a cable channel called CBS Sports Network. Gotcha. If, if you have Comcast, it's like right past like Fox Sports One. Okay. Like NFL Network, like right around that area of channels. So it's not on CBS. Mm-mm. So, so I was well, going to be surprised that the San Diego State Cal game took would that. be on primetime like. <laughs> Non-cable network. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Nope. CBS network, which, which does mean, by the way, it could be, um, pre-game wise, it could be Tony Gonzalez. Oh, nice. Because he works for CBS. I, I think he does. Yeah, he works for CBS for for NFL on Sundays. So sometimes they bring those NFL guys to just cover um, Saturday Cal football stuff. Or yeah. I mean, not Cal football stuff, but NCAA football. football yeah. yeah. So I mean, that'd be that'd be cool. Um, I mean, he has relations to San Diego, playing for the Chargers for that many years. I mean, not playing in San Diego uh, with the Chiefs. I'm thinking Antonio Gates. Why not? It's been a long day. Um, yeah. But he's played in San Diego quite a bit. Um, and then he's also from California as well. So that'd be, I think that'd be cool if you had Tony Gonzalez calling a Cal game. I'm with you. Although it might be, they might not just because it might be bias. Could it be bias? Nah. Nah. I mean, Ro- Roxy, Roxy does a pretty good job, even though he's slightly biased when he calls Cal games. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I'm with you. But the biggest issue here is yes. that then didn't Larry Scott just make an agreement with the Chancellors to have less mm. night games? <laughs> and then this schedule comes out, and we have night game, night game, night game, night. Like, we have six night games. Is. Just the most brutal time to have the game. One, because sometimes they go till midnight. And two, because nobody is going to be watching on the East Coast. So not only does that impact recruiting, but if I'm sure everybody is familiar with when our team that had one loss on the year happened against USC. And then we played, oh goodness, what was it like? Missouri State, Mississippi, Miss, Miss, Missouri State, no, Mississippi, no, not Mississippi State. Uh, it was honestly like a team with yeah. something like that, uh, and no one watched. And then JJ Arrington, they called back a play on a holding penalty that was a ghost holding penalty. So everyone was forced to watch the final score. And so all the voters on the East Coast said, "Well, Cal only beat said team, unranked team." By this much, therefore, we should put Texas into the Rose Bowl. And I will always, always remember that. I hate Mac Brown. Yeah. I think all of us do. I can't stand him. So, yeah, this is a bummer. This is a major bummer. It's cool that we have pretty solid coverage nationally. It's just not that cool when it comes that late. Um, what do you... Let's... Let me talk about. Let me ask you a question then. In terms of turnout, right? With no Jared Goff, right? Oh, great point. Um, no, no, none of those star wide receivers that everyone remembers over the last three years, right? No, if you if you talk to most Cal fans, you're like, oh, who are the, who are the good wide receivers? You know, they'll say like, oh, Lawler and Traggs and Davis and Powell, and you know, they can list the names. Most Cal fans aren't going to be able to list any in terms of the offensive player. Like Vic and Trey, like those are – they've been here for three years, so that's guys you can still remember. But 
in terms of if you don't follow recruiting and you don't follow, you know, how the depth chart changes for the swing ball in fall camp, like, you can pick up any random Berkeley student and ask him uh, who's one of the main guys on offense. They're not going to they're not going to know who the quarterback is. And they're going to have a final. Say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. So I got a midterm. I got to go study. So that Friday game, October 21st at home against Oregon at 730. What do you? What's how packed with Oregon Ducks like Ducks fans? That's packed. what I'm thinking. Same issue as when we went to Levi's when it was yep. slammed with Ducks fans. That was a Duck home game. That yeah. Levi's game. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. Friday is much better than Thursday, so yep. thank goodness for that. Yep. Um, I agree with you. There isn't the household names that we had last year to drive attendance. But what's going to drive atten- attendance more is the early season schedule. Yep. So if we win it against Hawaii, which we're expected to, yep. um, if we win the early games and we can come in and we have a 3-0, like 4-0, 5-0, whatever type of record, then people will learn the names. They'll learn Davis Webb. They'll learn Demetrius Robinson. They'll come in and... Melky Stilval, yeah. Jordan Duncan. Like, they'll learn. Yeah, of course. So you'll pick that up quick, but... Yeah, you have every. I mean, you have a really solid point there. It's going to be dominated by Ducks fans if we don't come out hot. Let's say we go two and one or two and two, or you know, we have some five hundred record coming into that game. It will be interesting to see the number of Cal fans that come out. You know, the alumni will come out because we have nothing better to do. But you know, <laughs> on a Friday night, we don't got no plans on a Friday night. Come on now, like let's be honest. I would be in bed by eleven o'clock enjoying my nice. <laughs> My nice rerun of sleep. game and Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. What do you think? You know what? That's a tough one. I mean, this is what's this is what's tough is this this Oregon game is. It's, I'm gonna be really agitated when I'm at this Oregon game, and there's not gonna be a lot of Cal fans because for me, this year is the is a good shot to beat Oregon. Um, they're, that team is reloading. Like they don't even have a quarterback right now. Um, the only the big option they still got, of course, is Rolls Royce Freeman. But everything else, it's kind of in flux. Especially their defense after they lost all those good defensive line and linebacker guys to the NFL. They don't have a lot in the shed right now, um, and that cupboard is pretty bare. And we reloaded pretty well over the last couple of years and we've stocked up on both both sides granted our linebacking cores of course we talked about this every week but it's pretty thin but um, in terms of our offense and putting up points and our defense just holding enough to get us to pull out wins I think we can do it but that only happens at home if we have a good amount of fans supporting the team and I remember uh, was it Thanksgiving weekend last year? Um, I don't remember who we played. Uh, Arizona State. Was that the Arizona State game? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I distinctly remember. I mean, of course, the student section's empty, right? Because everyone went home for Thanksgiving. But the rest of the stadium was kind of bare as well, where they couldn't even fill up, like, half of the student section. Like, the Mike men were asking Q, the section Q and QQ mm-hmm. and... Um, the other the section to the the right of the student section to to come and sit down as well, but <laughs> there, was, there was no one to fill in those seats, um, and that that sucks. I mean, 
I was I've never played in that type of stadium, and I never will. <laughs> but if I'm a, te- a player on that on that Cal team or any home team for that matter, and you're you're vying to go to a bowl game, like it's a pretty important game, and the stadium is like half filled like that at a Division One Pac-12 school with pretty good tradition, like it sucks. Like it doesn't. Like as much as the the players, you know, you see Treg say it all the time, and or I don't does Treg say it sometimes? Yeah, he does. Uh, and some other players say it all the time. Like, granted, they have to win for people to come and fill out that stadium. But it would be so much better if we filled in the stadium to help them win. Like, I think it goes both ways, and there's just a lot of people just don't care these days. I mean, about going to game days. Like game days was always I. I I think it goes the same for you. I think I speak for you as well. Game days were something special. Like every Saturday home, like while I was at Cal, it was it was a it was a special day. Like going walking up to that stadium, going to a game, yelling my lungs out and like my throat and my voice being gone the next day. Um, it was just a it was just a special thing. Whereas now, like you go on certain game days on Saturdays, and that. That walk up to Memorial is so scarce. Like, there's not a lot of people walking up to the stadium, and it's empty, and the student section, like, doesn't get packed. Um, So I'm with you. Game days were a sacred day. You didn't leave for any Saturday during the fall. You didn't study abroad during the fall because you had to go to football games. Exactly. And going there meant... One, you never sat down. Two, that you'd go in the student section and you would know exactly when to cheer and what particular chant you were going to do at that time. There was a level of expectation like that people had set for you. And freshmen stand up. Freshmen stand up. Exactly. Exactly. And so it started to disappear when I got there. I mean, (coughs) but I think I came from like a little bit more of a unique background with my dad having gone to Cal and I've been going to games forever. There's a video of me at three years old saying go bears. So (laughs) I would meet people that didn't care about football. And I was like, what do you mean? And it's not just football, football, basketball, baseball, tennis, like what have you. Just sports Cal meant a lot. Athletics at Cal meant a lot to me. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer, but it comes with the territory. It's not like Stanford, and Stanford has a much better record than us. Like, I hate to use them as an example, but they're a pretty good example of a Pac-12 team that still can't sell out a much smaller Yeah, they stadium. have to downsize their stadium as well, which is the right. crazier part. And they still can't pack that place. They still can't. So, it's an issue at high, I think, academic institutions where it's not like, all right, I'm going to go to Alabama because I'm going to go watch football and this is what we do. Even like Nebraska. I'm going to go to Nebraska, Nebraska game days. Our game days are fantastic, and I don't want to take anything away from them, but you know, you travel to Columbus for Ohio State or you, if you go to a Nebraska football game, it's, it's just a different breed. Oh, yeah. So I'm with you. We need the fans out there because that's going to impress the recruits. That's what makes this whole thing work. But what we've seen in the Bay Area is that if teams are successful, then fans will come. And if teams are unsuccessful, I think people are like, ah, I don't have time. Look at the Niners, right? Levi's, brand new stadium. It's empty. Um, I mean, the Pac-12 can't even sell out a championship game in there. <laughs> so, yeah, we have issues, but so does everybody else, which is the good side of it, I bet. Yeah, I mean... The only night game I look at the schedule and then I like is the Texas game. Um, just because it is, it's, 
as much as Texas might not be good, um, it's it's still Texas. Um, the the burnt orange uniforms with the white helmets and the Longhorns, like it's still the Longhorns. Dude, Texas is gonna be good next year. Yeah, yeah, Texas is gonna be back. That team is stacked. I mean, did you see their recruiting? Yes, class? yes. Oh my goodness, they're gonna be good next year. Um, I'm excited for that game. That's, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun, and they're gonna bring out a lot of talent. Like having premier games like that at 7:30 is fun. Like playing under the lights, like not during the sunlight. It just there's something different. Um, playing a night game with the lights on. I, I mean, you and I could both attest to you know the the USC game our freshman year and in, in the pouring rain that night game, the Tennessee game. Um, in 07, like that, I think it was a, it was a day, seven, game. day game. It was a day game, but it, it, it kind of, was it? Hmm. I don't know. It's not like I actually remember. Yeah. I just feel like it was a day game. I remember the sun setting. I remember that for sure. And okay. I, I remember being really happy because the sun was in our face, like for the beginning of the game. So it might've been one of those like two o'clock or yeah. like four o'clock kickoffs or where it was the, the later half of the day. But I mean, any of those, any time the Memorial Stadium lights come on and you're playing in the dark, like. It's just it's just fun. It's super pretty. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, that stadium at night or when as the sun's setting and you see from the student section, like you see the sunlight uh, just just beyond the press box. Like, oh, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous up there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited about the Texas game. Um, let us know uh, which games you guys are excited for and if, you could, if you're going to make it out to any of these 730 games because, oof. I mean, if you're in LA, if you if you're a Bear fan living in LA, and you, the schedule comes out, and the one chance you have to go watch the Bears this year is at USC, and it happens to be a Thursday night at seven thirty to get to the Coliseum, oh, at least it's not getting to the Rose Bowl because that would suck. Getting yeah. to Pasadena would suck, but it's much better than the Rose Bowl. Yeah, but even that in itself, like just. Just getting to downtown Anywhere LA. in LA between <sighs> the hours of four or three thirty and maybe eight, eight o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a task that I wish nobody like would have to do. No, nobody, nobody. Um, so that wraps it up for this season talk. Uh, we'll go on to some recruiting. So we got two new commits this week. Um, last week, or the latter half of last week, and earlier this week. Um, first one was Jalen Griffin, who is the offense or is an outside linebacker. He's three stars from Rome, Georgia. So he's committed. Um, that's all sealed and done. Second one, this one's a this one's a fun one. Is uh, commit Gabe? I'm gonna butcher this. Simianek. 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 Sounds God. like he. So he's definitely from Canada. He's from Canada. And um, it has a nice, nice ring to it. <laughs> uh, but he's a kicker. Uh, he is ranked as the seventh best kicker in the U.S. and Canada combined. Um, and he's all he won't have a scholarship. Uh, he is a preferred walk-on. That's awesome. So he has committed. So now we have a a kicker in our recruiting class. I think. I think uh, I think our, the whole point of this recruiting class is that we're trying to get one guy at every position first. Like I, that's the way it's going right now. It's we, we got a wide receiver, then we got a DB, then we got, then we got a D lineman. Like, 
All right, all the other guys are secondary now. Exactly. Um, but I mean, and let's let's uh, let's appreciate the lineback. I mean, the lineback, like outside linebacker yes. commit. That was big time. Yeah. That's what we were asking for. We wanted a linebacker, and we got one. No, yep. Christmas comes early. Ask and ye shall receive. That's what we did. And he's he looked good. His tape looks. He's it looks fast. It I mean, stands he, out. He's athletic. He's long. Like that's exactly how I would describe it, and that's exactly what. Sonny and the defensive guys have been wanting to attract long, fast, athletic guys. So, I mean, he's a three-star. Still not the big-name guys that we all want, but once again, the big-name guys... You texted me that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I had a point to that. So, initially when, in my opinion, programs are not built on the five, four- and five-star recruits. Yes. And, you know, there's other people out there that probably... Say otherwise. ...disagree. Yeah. But... If you looked at Harbaugh's first couple of classes at Stanford, he went for volume over like quality, um, the quantity over quality, and I think the balance that we st- we've been striking with our classes is pretty strong because there are guys like Alex Alex Mack. I don't know, was he three star? There's like guys that I can pinpoint. I mean, even Andrew Luck was just a four star. Yeah. Um, Band. Jared was a four-star. Yeah, Jared's a four-star. Uh, there's really good examples of three-stars. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers was either that or less. Um, so I, I don't worry as much about... Like Noah Westerfield is the quintessential example of this for me. He's someone who's really smart, really like the body type, and someone that I expect to be able to contribute, but maybe not go to the league. And um, so... Well, yeah, I wish we, I guess maybe a little bit more on the star side, but if we can find the diamonds in the rough and continue to get, like, what was, what are all the guys that we got for, that are now in the NFL? Like, Trace was four, Lawler was four, uh, Davis was three. Anderson wasn't recruited. Anderson, yeah, was a walk-on. Yeah. Um, what about Powell? Powell. Was it three or four? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just not... The five star classic guys and the five if the five star guys went to the league every time it'd be a really easy job recruiting. But then you have guys like uh, I'm already forgetting his name because he's in Philadelphia and he's going to disappear. And Michael Kendricks. No, no, the quarterback. Oh, uh, <laughs> North Dakota State quarterback. Uh, yes, uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah, Wentz. There's people that fly under the radar. So I don't know, man. I'm. I've watched so much tape at this point <laughs> of recruits, and I'm like, wow, he looks really good. And then at some point, I was like, you know what? Everybody's tape looks really good. <laughs> Everybody's tape does look good. And we've gotten to that conclusion a bunch of times here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the only thing I want is I think you can build depth. You can build the program. Like, you know, the, the same little thing is – a parallel is, you know, my Lakers right now, we're, we're struggling bad. We're struggling real bad. And people are saying, oh, we're going to, we should go after KD. We should go after Hassan Whiteside. We should go after LeBron this summer. Like, that's unrealistic. That's unrealistic. The way you want to build a team for long term success is through the draft and cultivating talent and accruing enough good talent where those big name guys would want to come and play with that talent that you've already accrued. Mm. So, the I mean, the talent will come regardless. Like if, if uh, let's say, I'm going to keep going with this Lakers thing, is if Jordan Clarkson's or Angela Russell and Julius Randle 
let's say they become that cusp all-star guys, right? They become those guys that that get votes for the all-star game, but just barely don't make it in. Like they're that on that caliber. Um, and, people, and then there's the arguments of, oh, they were snubbed, so on and so forth. If that team was already there, then that means this Laker team was probably, you know, like a, a eight to five seed in the West. Like if you had that type of talent, then if this offseason, if it if we had that type of team, then KD looks at that team, go, OK, maybe I'm the guy that comes in and vaults this team up to a number one. Like maybe that team's there. They just need one more thing. And maybe I can be that guy or LeBron says that or or Hassan Whiteside says that. But if you're in the lottery of the draft every year, you're going to suck like that. That just means you suck if you're in the lottery. So and why would you want to go to a team that's already losing? Like you're, you're the point of you moving to another team is to win. Right. Um, but that we're going too far with this uh, with this with this parallel. Um so for I me, I enjoyed it though. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So for me, unless you're Zach Granke, let's just throw that out there. If you're Zach Granke, you just go where they're going to give you the most money. Exactly, exactly. So for me, it's I think it's great. I think going for those diamonds in the rough to build that program with the depth and making sure you have enough guys at each position, regardless of injuries, is a great thing to do. But at the same time, those types of guys, you just don't know whether they'll pan out. You know, um, can they make an impact their freshman year or in two years time? That's what you're expecting him to be. You're expecting him to be a starter by the juniors. Right. But can he make can he improve himself that much to get to that point? That's all the coaching staff and on that player versus the five star guys like we've seen with uh, I think Melkis was a four star. But we've seen that with Melkis and we've seen that with other five star guys that come in and are amazing from the get go. Just and that's, and of course that's the reason they were rated, rated a five star, right? Just because they were that good, um, and you want those types of impact players as well. So, you know, I I think it's a good mix of both. I personally, I don't want to go that you know Kentucky basketball route where you're the turnover is every like two years or every year just because you're only pulling in five star and four star guys because they leave. I like I like what our basketball team has done, and I like what our football team has done. It's just. We need one, one or two more, especially on the if especially for football on the defensive side. We need one or two more of those five star guys or four star guys to come in just to solidify that defense. Because I mean, I mean the talents, talents, talent. Like you can't take that away. As much as these guys work their butts off every single day, from the tapes you see of them working out, like is incredible. But in terms of football talent, like. I hate saying this, but there was a reason that guy, that kid was a three-star versus the same guy in that class was a five-star at that same position. And it's just, it's a matter of just innate ability, I guess. Um, you think so? I mean, to a certain degree. I mean, of course, there's always stories where the three-star guys just flow under the radar and they get better than those five-star guys. But just the basis, if you can correct them the right way, those five-star guys are five-star guys for a reason. So... I don't want to build a team on five-star guys. I'm totally with you on that. Um, I like the the Harbaugh, you know, build guys with depth, and sooner or later, guys will come, um, And which is what I was building off of is you build a program from scratch and you build all this depth, the bigger-name guys are going to want to come because they feel like they can be that one guy that takes them over the edge. So, But we haven't had that one or two. Uh, offensively, we have. 
defense, that's the key, right? We just haven't had that one or two guy to take that defense to the next level. And hopefully we get maybe a five-star linebacker. Yeah, I'm with you. We need, to, we need to have a defining we need to have a, we need to define the role. Yeah. What is it that we do best? Yeah. Are we a team that creates a lot of turnovers yeah. like last year or are, are we, we a bend not break? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like we just haven't we haven't defined our defense yet. So, we just need one or two guys in my opinion to nail that down. I'm really hoping Rambo, Trey Turner, Allensworth, they start defining this more as a place where like with Greg Burns there who's a pretty solid recruiter. Uh, would be a place that, like, not DBU, right? Because that was already taken. Yeah. So maybe we can think of a different name. <coughs> yeah. I mean, we've had our good linebackers and good defensive guys go to the pros over the years, right? We've had the Chris Connies. We had the Michael Kendricks. Uh, we had the Tyson Aluhalus, which first-round pick came out of nowhere. But Desmond Bishop. Yeah, we've had the Desmond Bishops. Like, we've had we've had our guys go to the NFL, Nandi. Like, it's it's been there, but it hasn't been consistent enough where people remember, oh, if I'm a defensive player, going to Cal might not be a bad option. Whereas offensively, like, we've been a juggernaut where you can point to NFL guys left and right, you know, with Marshawn, with Aaron, with now Jared. Deshaun, Keenan, like CJ. I, I mean, we can we list off all these guys. Um, but defensive guy, we need in terms of at least for recruiting purposes too. We need to develop one or two guys that get to the league on our defense. Brandon Mebane, Andre that's Carter. Tr- that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're so spaced out. Yeah, I know. They're You're so right. spaced right. out. Thomas Deku. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about Deku. Um, I don't know if he's still in the league. Uh, I, I honestly do not know. I honestly don't either. He was here during spring. I did see him here during spring. Um, I don't know why he was here, but he was here during spring ball. It's awesome. He's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, one, one little side note. I do want to say this is, uh, speaking of NFL Cal guys, uh, I drove by uh, the Beast Mode store today. Uh, March on store on Broadway. <laughs> he was outside his shop. Uh, with I think a buddy of his playing ping pong like they have a ping pong table set up right outside the store like on the street on Broadway like just on the sidewalk <laughs> he's just there in a beanie playing ping pong laughing his head off like no way <laughs> I saw that happen today today I need to go to the store and I, I saw that and I went this is this is weird like March on just just a normal guy <laughs> just literally just right there just playing ping pong on the streets of Broadway um, I thought that was hilarious, uh, but all right, that's it for football. We got to move on to some basketball talk because oh, oh, this is a heartbreaker. Uh, Jordan Matthews is graduating this summer, and he has decided uh, to take his final el- year of eligibility elsewhere. So, the early favorite right now um, that's been all over Twitter is Gonzaga, um, and we also play Gonzaga this year. So, Trace had the best tweet. Um, he said he visited Spokane um, for the NCAA tournament. He loved it up there so much that that's where he's staying. <laughs> um, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, do you have any thoughts on Jordan Matthews leaving? Um, I think your your thoughts are going to be more interesting. But yeah, initially I th- I was more of the bo- I was more like okay, that's how we're clearing space. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, why don't you lead off? Because I think you have a little bit more of an interesting take. 
personally for me, I mean, if you, there's a lot of things that are said behind paywalls on Rivals and Scout that I can't go into in-depth about. Um, if you want to take a look at that, go get a subscription. Because I know all those guys that write, they do a great job of what they do. So I don't want to spill their insider takes, um, so on and so forth. But this is a, this is a tough one. Um, you were, I mean, we talked about this right before the show began, and I, I really liked this class. Um, I followed this class really, as soon as they got to Cal, I followed this class really in depth. Um, Montgomery's final class at Cal, Sam Singer, Roger, Jabari, Jordan, um, Rooks, like those were the five guys. Like that was who he recruited. And I had no expectations for these other guys um, versus Jabari, who was a McDonald's All-American. <clears throat> but uh, Jordan Matthews and Sam Singer, they surprised me big time, very, very big time. And I fell in love with the play style of all these guys. And I mean, if you watch any type of Cal basketball, Jordan Matthews has been the heart and soul in, t- in terms of just willing teams out of like holes just from the way he shoots and how he improved his defense over the last three years and I mean I still remember his freshman year that uh, that 30 point barrage he did at Eugene in Oregon oh my goodness like that's a freshman like and my expectations increased tenfold because of that performance in which he's delivered on. Like, he's made some threes that none of us expected him to ever to make um, and kept our team afloat in a lot of games that we were supposed to lose. Oregon State, Pac-12 tournament this year. Whew, yeah, that one. Oh. That was a Steph Curry like, yeah. three right there. It <laughs> yeah. was awesome. Um, so this this uh, this one sucks. Um, I, you know, just because of my emotional attachment to this class, I was really, really looking forward already. And this is, season hasn't even, like, isn't even close to starting, but... I was really, really, really looking forward to senior day, um, this upcoming class, to see Jabari, to see Sam, to see Roger, um, and to see uh, Jordan, you know, walk out, you know, wave to the crowd, get their jerseys, you know, and all the plaques and with the entire stadium clapping, you know. I, the Tyrone Wallace send-off this year was just like, I, I think I teared up a little bit um, just because of what he's meant for this program over the four years. Uh but then this class, too, has just been just outstanding. They stuck through it all. Like, when Montgomery retired, they could have easily just all transferred out easily. Um, but I think they liked the school, and they liked the program a lot more. And then, of course, we got real lucky with a really good head coach in Conzo. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I guess it all depends on where he goes. If he does go to Gonzaga, it's one of it's one of my favorite college basketball teams. I love what Mark Few does up in Spokane with that team. Um, so I'd be happy for him. Um, I don't think they have the big uh, – yeah, Sabonis declared for the draft. So I would have loved to have seen that tandem between Matthews and Sabonis if Sabonis was still there. But if he does go to Gonzaga, like, all credit to him. It might suck when we play him in the regular season this year. Uh, but – what can you do? As long as it's not another Pac-12 team, you know, I'm fine with it. And, if I mean, I don't know the reasons that he left. Um, like, this is just purely speculation and on my part. Uh, maybe, I mean, this is what I'm thinking is, maybe he just felt like his graduating time was perfectly aligned. Um, and he felt like he had learned and grown as a player as much as he could here. 
And maybe he wanted to take that final year and maybe learn from another coach. Maybe see if he can improve himself um, to get maybe to the NBA. Like, who knows? Maybe that was his thought process as well. But, I mean, if that if that's his reasoning, then all the power to him. Because he graduated at the number one public university in three years and is still improving as a basketball player and can still go on to get a master's, which is what he's doing, right, With after he graduates from Cal, is going to one of these other schools to play basketball for a year and to be in a master's program. And then on top of that, still have the basketball skill set to probably play maybe sneak into the NBA or at least overseas. Like, just still be a professional basketball player and make money playing the sport that you love. I mean, what better... I, I can't think of a better, like, career life path over a 10-year span than that. So I agree my, with you a lot. That's my take. Yeah, your take's really strong. I think I'm a little bit more positive on it because he graduated, and yeah. I still view this era of basketball with Mont- Montgomery graduation rates and with Tedford graduation rates as, yes, you're grad transferring, and yes, it hurts to lose you, but you graduated, and that's what you're here about, yeah. and you're going to be a representative of Cal rather than a representative of the university that you transferred to. Yep. So happy on that side. Disappointing from the sense of like the team, but I hope maybe it's one of those situations where it was with like uh, Avery Sebastian, who's like, or Seb- yeah, uh, Sebastian, yeah. Avery. Yeah. yeah. Um, Avery <laughs> so who <laughs> ended up going just because they didn't have the particular, at least we were told that they didn't have the particular program available to them at Cal and that maybe there was something there. There's also the family tie once again where uh, one of my buddies texted me that potentially USC would be a landing spot because I think his brother is there. Yeah, Jonah Matthews is there. And then um, you mentioned that there might be some family connection to yeah. Gonzaga as well. So I don't know. It's it's very difficult. His post was really well written, mm-hmm. and looking at his Twitter account and seeing like his picture being Cal, and, uh, and as you said, from a pure shooter perspective – he really brings a lot to the table for our team and he stretches the floor and he's had some really big moments. So I'm sure he looked back and was like, well, on some levels, what else is left for me to accomplish? And, you know, I don't know. It's just a little bit of a bummer that the, the ceiling was the highest seed and then quickly exiting from the first round where I think the ceiling should have been higher. Yeah. I mean, it could have been higher this year and it still could be. Yeah. The thing for me though, is. I think the thing for me is that Jordan could have set a lot of shooting records here if he stayed another year. And that's the thing that gets me is, man, I mean, he had such a great three-year career here. If if he had stayed that final year, like, he could have cemented his legacy here at Cal um, in terms of just the record books, right? Um, and that's I – I wouldn't say disappointing, um, but it's a – it's one of those things that I'm, I'm saddened about that he couldn't put his name into the record books. I mean, he was on and he was on pace to do that. So that's the only sad part for me is just not seeing his. He won't be at the top of the, the number one you know three point shooting like career three pointers made and so on and so forth. Like that would have been awesome, uh, but yeah, that's the only sad part. I'm with you. We feel like we grew grew up with these players. Right? Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. And they're getting younger and younger and younger than us, and yet we still feel like we grew up with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I'm starting to get Kevin the f- Durant is younger than I am. I didn't know that. He's, a, he's only 27. That's right. Yeah, he is. What? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I always knew Madison Bumgarner was younger than me, but I was like, all right, that's just a Bumgarner. It's okay because he looks older than you. Yeah. So then the, you win some, you lose some. Uh, but with that open scholarship, uh, we brought you news last week. This, last week? This was weird because. You called it. I called it, um, but I did not mean to call it. Um, I brought up Marcus Lee just because, just purely. I followed his recruiting uh, that year. That was, of course, we just talked about it, but that was the Jabari Jordan Matthews year. And I just thought of it as it would make sense if he were to come here, if he wants to come home. This is the closest home team that he has. Lo and behold, uh, was that Sunday, I think? Uh, tweets started coming out, like how Cal was the early favorites to land Marcus Lee. And I was thinking, oh, okay, this might actually be happening. Be happening, um, but we don't have any scholarships. How's that going to work? Uh, but then, of course, uh, Jordan Matthews is now left. That opens up a scholarship, and Marcus Lee apparently visited yesterday uh, on Tuesday. So now, uh, according to his Twitter, he's he visited the University of Washington today. He visited the Huskies today, which is Wednesday. Uh, most people said that. Uh, he would have already committed to Cal by the time he left Cal. Um, but, I mean, who knows what goes behind the scenes with all those recruiting meetings and so on and so forth. So, And the Jordan Matthews stuff came out later on Tuesday, so news-wise. So maybe, none. I mean, you would think that everyone knew who needed to know. Uh, and in terms of the scholarship numbers, I'm pretty sure... If he came in to, like, see the school, they had already worked out something for him before. I mean, like, for me, the one thing, the one way I think I saw this working out was because he went to school in Antioch, um, he'd be an in-state student, which would mean it would just be in-state tuition. So my original thought would be if he were to come to Cal, then he wouldn't be on scholarship. He would just pay his in-state tuition for a year. And then the year that he plays basketball is we have all these scholarships that open up because everyone leaves and he just takes one of those and just plays basketball in our scholarship for a year. Like that was what I originally thought would, and that was a lot of what people thought would work um, in terms of just the scholarship numbers. But as it stands right now, we have a scholarship to give him. So I don't know. We'll see if he comes. I hope he does. Yes. I mean, we need him. We need him to commit. We need some good news. We do. And I think the cooler thing part would be if we somehow, somehow got a way to get him to play this year. Um, that would be that would be crazy to see him line up next to Ivan. Like, yeah. That would be really, really fun to watch. It would be really hard to stop. Yeah. The only – I don't know how this works with the NCAA stuff, but – from what I've read, he only has a semester left of school. So let's say he were to finish school uh, within the next, this fall semester, right? Get him into summer school, you're saying? Get, get him into like the final, final session of summer school and then get him into, uh, what's it, uh, the fall, fall semester, semester as well. Then he would graduate when the fall semester was over. And that would be halfway, a little less than half, yeah, a little less than halfway through the season. 
um, and you could let him play this season. And you would have him lined up next to Ivan for the majority of the Pac-12 season plus uh, the Pac-12 tourney, and then if we make the NCAA tournament throughout the NCAA tournament. So that'd be fun. Um, and then at the same time, so for me, this is the big thing. that If you were to do that, that keeps you flexible going into next year with the recruits in 2017. Because you can give you know those young five-star centers or those four-star centers and say, hey, Marcus is playing for us this year, right? He's not sitting a year. So you can come in and be the starting center next year. Whereas right now, if Marcus were to commit, those guys would kind of look and be, mm, can I start over Marcus next year? Like maybe some guys would be challenged enough to be like, yeah, can, I can win the starting job over him. But some guys might be turned off by that, by the fact that a starting spot wasn't handed to him, which is how a lot of recruits I think think these days as well is, they feel like a lot of like these positions that they need to play at is started to them, and it's like if there's any sort of competition whatsoever, it's like oh, I'm not considering that place what at all. Um, so uh, we'll see what Quanto does uh, with this team, right? But with Jordan leaving and this Marcus news, like this basketball team is, I don't know. There's just a lot of question marks now. You like, think so? I think so. I mean, and we'll get to one of the questions later okay. uh, that Buddy asked in terms of that. But All right. Uh, on to some basketball recruiting news. Uh, Cal offered Juwan Harris Dyson. He's a three-star shooting guard from Anaheim, California. He's 6'4", 190 pounds. He has offers from Pepperdine, San Jose State, UC Davis, and Utah State. Mm-hmm. So it's not a big – we're the first Power 5 school to offer him. Um, but he plays on the Earl Watson Elite AAU team, which – is the same team that has Cal commit uh, point guard uh, Jamal Baker and Cal target power forward Ira Lee. And the crazy part about this is uh, Jamal is a scout.com like top 100 player. Um, Ira Lee is a, also one of the top 100 players. Um, and all three of them play on the same AAU team. And so, you know, to get all three would be amazing but i retweeted out a couple uh i think it was monday or tuesday and on the tweet it says um and i'm just paraphrasing here uh juan harris dyson got an offer from cal and he tagged juan harris dyson he also tags jamal baker who you know of course is a cal commit and says is there a big three in play here question mark and that's what he tweeted out no way yeah so i mean good for Konzo to go after maybe maybe this maybe that guy's the link and of course you don't offer him unless you think that he's going to be a good player too um and from the tape i saw which is from the under armor uh camps this past weekend uh he's a he's a project shooting guard um but he has the the college shooting guard size at six four uh, maybe you can kind of turn him into a ty wallace type uh but he's he's got good he can work his body really well up in the air. He absorbs contact really well going up for the shots. Um, and he has a really good touch around the paint and driving. And he also has a knack for rebounding. Kind of reminds me of Ty Wallace. So uh, maybe maybe that's, maybe this is the way we get all three. And this is our way to building. You know, you get these three guys and then maybe convince one big man to come. Maybe one of those five-star uh, centers that are 
there's a plethora of in this upcoming class, uh, and maybe you convince one of them to come, then there you have it. Um, you have a pretty good freshman, sophomore class uh, next year. It worked with Rab and Brown, and um, I mean, we. I think that's a good plan. Seems like seems like it would work. Yeah, all my friends are going to Cal. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you know, I Why play not? basketball with them every summer. Like I know the team team stuff works. Like I don't have to work out anything. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Exactly, that'd be great. Uh, some last bit of baseball news for the season. Uh, we did not make the World Series. No, Wait, we didn't. We did not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I mean, as, as of last week, I think everyone expected it. As soon as we lost that heartbreaker to Utah, like that was... And our last game was against Wazoo. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't fun either. No. That was a bummer. No. Well, so that's, much, that's a bummer then. So much hype for this baseball season too. And then it just... As soon as Don Jeffries went out, it just... There's nothing you can do about it. When your yeah. star ace of the staff leaves and out of injury, so... We have some questions from fans today uh, that we'll answer to wrap up our podcast this week. Uh, is first from uh, Kevin Kevin Wong. He emails us uh, and he asks us two questions. First one: Conzo staff seemed uh, to really teach the team to have a defensive tough mindset. With the addition of Tim O'Toole, what next steps will we see in Cal basketball? Um, I'll tackle this first if you don't mind. Uh, Tim O'Toole is known to be a a really big X's and O's coach. Um, and, of course, that means offensive play sets and offensive schemes. Uh, and I think if you have that type of caliber who – Tim O'Toole was at Stanford for the last four years with Johnny Dawkins. Before that, he was two years at, as the director of basketball operations at Syracuse. So if he's picked up a few things from Jim Beheim and he's done pretty well with the big men and that offense that Stanford run over the last couple of years with Chase Randall and – Nastich and Roscoe Allen and all those guys. Um, I think he does pretty well in terms of how he thinks and how he organizes an offense. And that's the next step that we need to get with Cal basketball, right? Is the defense is set. He it's crazy how Conzo's built this team to buy into the defensive side of the ball. And the defense that Cal basketball played last year or this past season was simply astounding at times. Um, it's just that our offense just seemed to sputter and just not get shots that we wanted and just forced a lot of things, um, especially with the ball in Jalen and Ty's hands. It just it just seemed like we forced a lot. And, of course, as soon as those two guys who handled the ball so much went out uh, against that in that Hawaii game and then Jabari not being able to play too, our team just, oh, my God, that ugh, I don't even want to remember it, but I am right now. That was not a fun fun game to watch at all so that's the next step right is everyone has bought into the defensive side can we run an offense that's easy enough for us to get shots like I always talk to people and about how I want like plays like Montgomery used to do that where he um, Montgomery's son used to John used to have that little whiteboard and he'd write the play name on it and so as Ty dribbled up or Cobbs dribbled up you kind of glance at the board, and that would be the primary play that the team would run first to see if they can get a shot off of that. And then if not, by that time, the shot clock's about halfway down. Plus, the defense is in a little bit of a disarray because you ran so many screens and, and so on and so forth and made all these switches 
that as the point guard, your your whole point is to adjust and run an offense. So you'll find a, a mismatch or something to work to get off a good shot. Whereas this past season, it's just been dribble up the court, like kind of run a one or two screens on the ball, and then that's about it. And then just dribble drive and, and kick out. Like that's that's not a, a competent offense that you want if you want to win and, and make baskets every single game. Um, so that's the thing I would want to see us take a step is is the defense is will be there, um, and Conzo is gonna is gonna coach the crap out of these kids to make sure um, we're rock solid on defense. It's just a matter of shots, and uh, I guess from a stand a fan standpoint, the easiest way to say is will we? I hope we don't get frustrated watching our offense. I think that's the easiest way to put it is I hope we see the ball move enough and we go we have offensive possessions where we go, wow, that was a really good offensive possession versus wow, Ty did really well to get that shot off and make something out of nothing. Or Jalen, wow, that dunk was insane. Exactly. Or uh, or J Matt, wow, what a deep three. Like <laughs> we need to get beyond those and say, wow, that was a really good offensive play. Um and maybe we'll see that. We need to get Rab the ball. We do. I think that's my biggest thing is hopefully that they start figuring out ways because he's going to see a lot of doubles. And then the disappointing thing about Matthews leaving is that you don't have that option there. You don't have that second shooter. I think Jabari could develop into that, and he'll get a lot more. Because it. I don't know how it felt for you, but at least this past season, the pecking order in terms of just the shots seemed like it was Ty, Jalen, um, Jordan, Ivan, then Jabari. Like that's that's kind of how I felt the pecking order was for the shooting and just just getting the ball on offense. But now that you don't have that, in terms of just getting shots off, I think it has to be Ivan one and it has to be Jabari two. Like I just don't see it any other way. And that if that's your one-two punch, like that's fine. But everyone else has to do their job. But that's a great one-two punch to start. And I think Jabari was making that step up to become that guy towards the end of last season and I mean I think he would have had one hell of a NCAA tournament game against Hawaii if he were able to go yeah but serious seriously good point yeah that's the next step for Cal though I, I mean you, you said it extremely well for basketball side and he is an X's and O's guy and we'll see if I, I'm sure we're going to be frustrated with the offense there's that's why I tend, ultimately that's why the Tennessee fans decided to chase Kwanzaa yeah. to begin with. So, yeah, as, <laughs> as much influence as an assistant coach can have, I think it'll be the right influence and we'll figure out a way to develop more of an offense because you can figure out, you can game plan against two guys and you can shut down that particular, that's not going to work. So yeah. we're going to have to have someone else contribute. And, yeah. 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 Man, that we'll feel that loss. <sighs> yeah. All right, the second question that Kevin sends us is, I'm not basing this on a ton of fact, but just gut feeling. Uh, but how much do you know of Tate Martell's character? Is he a Johnny Football, anti-Goff in terms of character? Or am I overreacting to the hurt Texas A&M fan comments? Uh, Nobody's a Johnny Football. No. He is a unique breed of partier. Yep. <laughs> I saw Tate Martell's interview about uh, where he was going to go after that football game, and he was talking about his relationship with Spav and all that. Yeah. And I mean, he seemed like a pretty bright guy. I was actually kind of impressed. So it, it, I have no idea about his character, though. Like, you'd have, 
I just don't know. I'm sure the salty Texas A&M fans, they've been salty for a long yeah. time. So I don't really trust anything that they say. But uh, as far as everything I've been able to see from interviews, it doesn't really feel like he comes across as cocky. It seems like he just kind of find, wants to find the right fit for himself. And um, he also happens to be a hell of a football player. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen the scout interviews and the rivals interviews and so on and so forth about, you know, the same things you've seen about where he's going, what a visual visits he's taking. Like those are the only things you can see how how he holds himself outside of the football field. Um, And from what I've seen, the kid is just a, just a normal football kid. He's just, he's well-spoken. His body language and so forth, so forth, like doesn't really feel like it gives off like, Oh, I'm entitled like that type of feel. I know a lot of Johnny football, um, Interviews kind of felt that way, where he felt like he was entitled, especially after he'd won the Heisman. Um, I think up until he won the Heisman, he was a little bit more humble. Uh, but as soon as he won the Heisman, like the the way he interacted with the press, the way he did interviews, like it was just a total change. Uh, but as of right now, like Kate Martell, uh, he looks like a standout guy. Um, he's very well spoken, as I've already said, and holds himself well to interview questions and. Just knows how to say the right things. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's taught that as well, being a five-star guy um, and not from just some random, you know, public school football team. Like, he's at Bishop Gorman, which is a powerhouse high school for football um, in, I think, Las Vegas or Nevada. It's in Nevada. I don't know if it's in Las Vegas or not, um, but I think it is in Las Vegas. Uh, but being a powerhouse school like that, I'm, I'm sure the coaches – especially to their higher-profile guys, teach them how to talk to the rival guys because that's a reflection of how they teach at that high school too, right? Just like when, they'll get, when, they, get to, uh, when they get to Cal or they went, when they get to any Power 5 college, like you go through a whole thing of the SIDs will go through with you how to answer certain questions, how to not answer questions, like how to just defer to, to them for certain types of questions and how to hold yourself in interviews. Good point. Um, so... Yeah, you have to be taught, I think, if you're at that type of powerhouse school. I'm pretty sure, like, modern day, those guys, like, go through, like, a whole PR training session. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any problem with that. I think you are overreacting to the Texas A&M fan comments. <laughs> oh, the Texas A&M fan comments. Oh, okay. Um, last question is from a buddy of mine, uh, Jinsuk. He uh, uh, Facebook messaged us. He said, uh... Who's going to score next season for the basketball team? Is my boy Ivan Rab about to get 30 posts up per game next year? Um, 30 posts up? That doesn't seem out of the question. Um, if, if by 30 posts up, he mean, if you mean just getting touches of the ball in the post, like not necessarily like going to work, but just throwing it down there, and then even if he doesn't dribble or whatnot, just getting him touches down in the post, that seems about right. Um, you would want your guy to get, you know, 30 touches of the ball at wherever he works. Um, but who's going to score? It's him and Jabari in my perspective. I mean, the new point guard commit we got, Charlie Moore, is pretty good scorer as well. But he won't be – you don't want a freshman point guard to be your number one option. Your number one option has to be the sophomore big man. Like <laughs> – Who's just who's an outstanding player, by the way. Yeah. Um, so I think it's him and Jabari. I think you see a huge, huge uptick in efficiency and usage for 
Ivan uh, compared to his, you know, like you saw like the eight shot performances. Like his average was usually around like that six to ten was his average like every single game. I think you're going to get to the point where you see his average probably go up to like about 15 shots a game um, and his efficiency within the paint and around that area probably he makes about eight. So he's shooting a little over 50%, I think. He's going to have to average like 18 or 17, 18 in a game yeah. and 12 boards a game for us to be truly competitive. Yeah. That was the sad reality we just came to is that there really aren't that many good options outside of those two. No. Nope. Um, but I think Moore is more of a scorer than he is, like at least from his tape. He seems to be like a pretty true scorer in yeah. point position. So we need that big time. Uh, Grant Mullins though, maybe coming in and maybe he con- feels contributing there. Yeah, I think Grant Mullins. I mean, at least I haven't seen any of his tape whatsoever. But looking at his statistics, he could. I don't want to say he can fill Jordan's shoes because what Jordan did on both sides of the court was just something special. But in terms of the three-point shooting, um, I think he can at least come exactly. in and, and just fulfill it admirably. Not to maybe the crazy shots that Jordan did, but enough to get us through. Um, so I think that's it. That's uh, Yeah, it has to be Ivan, right? I think Ivan, if you were to pick a, a top scorer for the team next year. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be Ivan. Him or Bird, I guess. Yeah. And if Bird does that... That's Great. fine by me. That would be awesome. Oh. Just stay healthy. Yep. Please. Stay please, healthy, Jabari. Get please. on that Warriors treatment. Please, Jabari. Um, yeah. Uh, one last thing about that, Charlie Moore. Here, his game very much reminds me of Jerome Randall. And, of course, both Chicago guys and Jerome was has been talking in Charlie's ear because they were both Chicago guys uh, and telling him that you know Cal was the school that he should go to. Um, but, yeah, I mean – yeah, he does kind of remind me of that Jerome Randall type. Granted, I don't think he has the tenacity that Jerome did. Um, the bulldog of Haas. Simply one of the best basketball guys I'd ever watched play college-wise. Just amazing. And he was um, so small. He was. But the threes he took were just... Awesome. 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 I mean, that I love that lineage of point guards, right? With him and then to Cobbs. Um, and then to or in between them was Jorge, Jorge and yeah. that lineage of point guards was just really fun to watch. Really, really fun to watch. Um, that wraps it up for us today. It was a pretty long show. Did not think it would last this long. We had a lot of news. We did, and the two of us thought that one of us were going to fall asleep halfway through the show. Um, and hopefully, nobody listening did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that wraps it up for us today. If you have any questions, once again, just email us at cgbbearcast at gmail.com. We always do check those emails, so uh, email us. You can tweet at me at Rob11HWANG. Um, and yeah, we can you can find Andy's writing on the website at CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. There's still no Twitter. Uh, there's still no Twitter. I'm not sure there's going to be one. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, just remember, tweet at Mike Silver. Mike, <laughs> yes. Get Mike Silver. We're on the show. Get Mike on the show. Yes. Um, one last thing before we end is I went out with a couple friends the other day, and uh, I haven't told you this, uh, but I went out with a couple friends, uh, was it last week or the week before? And then uh, they're from Duke, uh, and you know they were meeting some other Duke friends. One of the, And the, uh, the Duke friends that we were meeting – uh, happened to have some cow buddies with them and they were talking and we were all just mingling and talking and 
you know, they were asking me, oh, do you follow like Cal sports? Like, do you follow the football team and basketball team? And, you know, I kind of chuckled inside because, of course, I follow, you know, but um, like I'm pretty sure not a lot of guys follow it to the extent that some of the CGB guys do. Uh, but anyways, I was just like, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, there's this really good website if you haven't looked at it. And I was like, oh, you can kind of allude where I'm going to. If uh, <laughs> you haven't looked at it. And I said, yeah, sure. And then he like showed it to me and it's, you know, the California Golden Lugs website. And he's like, oh, I was like, oh, I write for that website. And he's, his mind was blown. Like, <laughs> and it was just, he's like, no way. That's and then, awesome. And then he said like, uh, uh, who, or what's your name on your articles? And I was like, Rob Hong. And he's like, Oh, I've I've definitely read some of your stuff, like some of the game recaps and things like that. And he was he was like, "Aren't you the guy that does the podcast too?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I do the podcast too." He's like, "That's insane! Like every every week at work, like you guys are the podcast I listen to to get Cal news." And um, we talked no about Cal sports way. for a pretty long time, uh, and then you know the night was over. But the reason I bring this up is that people actually listen to us. Like, I know it's, it's hard to believe. <laughs> it's really hard to believe, but. Um, people do actually listen to us, and I just wanted to share that story just to thank all the people that do listen to us. Because, yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you for that's that's the only reason we do this. Um, actually, we do this for fun too. But <laughs> it's pretty much the highlight of the week. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, Come off a tough day and then sit down and talk uh, about Cal sports. Uh, Except this week felt had an odd, uh, odd down feel to it, just because I think the Matthews news. Yeah. And we don't have that Marcus Lee commit yet. Yep. So we got to make sure that we get that or at least by next week. Something. Yeah. Yeah. By next week, please. And uh, by the way, football, let's get another one. Please. Every weekend, once a weekend for the rest of the year, football recruits committing to Cal. Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Does the kicker count for this week or is it still counted as last week? See, that's where I don't know. I don't know when he actually committed. Um, I think it might have been earlier this week. I think he committed like on Monday. Okay. Um, and then the other guy was for yeah, sure last, last week. week. Yeah, well, so we'll count the kicker for last week. All right. Yeah. So another one. Come on, Sonny. Let's come go, on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. Um, and yeah, as I said, just email us for any questions, comments, concerns you guys might have. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You know it. What?